0: And we are talking today with Um, in APRN, who's part of our Trinity Health of New England medical group out in our Wolkett office, Jelanta Resmian, you know, including yourself, APRNs and PAs. And the work that you do is so incredibly supportive to creating our full medical team. And we're really excited to have you. So I want to talk a little bit about your background first. So where did you, um, where are you from originally? Uh, Originally, I'm from Poland. I came here about 14 years ago. So hence the accent is Polish. Yes. And it's yes. beautiful. I know Dr. Pruner, your colleague yesterday, was teasing us about your accent and it's beautiful. Oh, thank you so you much. You tell him he has the accent. He, he has does, the right? Yan- right. Yeah, he has the Yankee <laughs> accent. <laughs> so you were you're from you came from Poland fourteen years ago and were you um and you studied to be a nurse where? No, actually, when I was in Poland, I
1: would never even imagine being in the medical field till the October of 2002, and on October 6th of 2002, my uh, nephew, Lucas was born, and actually um, he was born with cerebral palsy, and ever since, uh, my family spent a lot of time in the hospitals, and um, at this point, we realized how important it would be for us to have some kind of a medical knowledge. but my nursing school, I actually started uh, in the United States when I came here.
0: When you came here, so where did you go?
1: So my for my associates, I went to Na- Nagata Valley Community yep. college. Then my bachelor's, I did at the Central yep. Connecticut State, State University. And then my master's I did at the University of St. Joseph.
0: Oh, that's incredible. That's just such a great journey for you. And, you know, you worked on the floors first, right? While you were you were studying your APRN, you've worked on the floors in the hospital? Yes, I worked on medical oncology unit Xavier three. You worked on Xavier three so for over five years. So I know I was talking to you yesterday a bit about Xavier three. So Xavier three back in the day was orthopedic. So it's funny how the floors change around over time, right? Right. So you know it was orthopedic when I first started. That was my first floor, and uh, we they, it was originally a four bed ward, which we don't do anymore. <laughs> uh-huh. Now we have private rooms and semi privates. But what made Made you seek to become an APRN? So, as I was gaining
1: um, more education, I actually enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And um, I always wanted to get my master's. And yeah. um, being a nurse, um, I realized how many patients would be so confused about the care and yeah. how important it would be for them to like be explain everything and like to have somebody spend time with them and yeah. i figured um that would be a good step and i know i wouldn't be very good at management
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, not fun and i don't do it i don't do it well that's why my uh, boots on the ground is me too
1: Oh, no, I heard you were great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, you know the reason I ask you this is I think the the care from an APR and the touch of the nurse is so important. And when we go into nursing, our first care is for the patient and ensuring that they understand everything. And I think in today's world, it's really difficult to maintain that kind of relationships with our patients, right? Absolutely. And do you find that when patients come into you, they have so many questions, and and you you need to take the time to help navigate for them? Oh yes, especially primary care, right?
1: Yes, and. Um Having the experience um, working in the hospital, when I would come in the morning and would talk to the patient and would tell them when the doctor come, doctor comes in, make sure you have a list of the questions so you won't forget anything. And unfortunately, when I would come back after doctor's visit, they would tell me, "Oh, I forgot to ask half of the questions." So yeah, it was interesting because then you would have to chase the doctor and tell them uh, the patient's concerns. So yes, and um, th- the patients that I find, like my own patients right now, I can I can tell that they they're nervous in the office and they. Won't be, you know, they forget half of the questions then.
0: Well, Um, you have such a caring touch, so I'm sure that you really put them at ease. We are really lucky to have you. Thank you. So, are you enjoying the Wolkit office? I do. Yeah, and you work with Dr. Joseph Pruner, who is one of your colleagues now, and he, he I got a picture that he gave you an excuse from patients between 9.30 and 10 this morning. Yes. So I, what I wanted to talk about today, you know, I met with you yesterday a little bit, and our topic is kind of a fun topic. We're just giving it a theme called On the Fence, but, you know... I figured focusing a bit on the flu season and when patients aren't sure if they have the flu or not. So first of all, let's start with that. Are you seeing a lot of patients come in with getting their their flu vaccines now? Yes. So are they scared from what happened last year? Yes, they are. So when they're coming in, are they coming in with a ton of questions and what are they asking you?
1: They do. They actually ask if the flu vaccine is going to be effective. <laughs> what are the side effects if they're going to get a flu after getting a flu vaccine? That's I know that's question. the
0: biggest. And I know we had Dr. Uh, we had Dr. Michael Sims on, um, our, our infectious disease guru, a few weeks yes. ago talking about the flu vaccine. And he assured us that you cannot get the flu from the flu vaccine. But I can tell you, when I got my shot... It did hit me like a ton of bricks. Are you hearing that? Yes. Yeah. Which um, I'll try to tell my
1: patient that's going to be a normal response because your immune is building antibodies and you are going to feel a little weaker for yeah. for about two weeks till the antibodies start.
0: I did. So. I felt, well, it was for a few days for me. I really felt like, Uh-oh. <laughs> Yeah. I felt tired, and I felt like I was just exhausted. I felt like, and it was it was my body really just trying to 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 compensate for what had hit me. Do do you recommend that the patients do anything differently after they get the flu shot to help them? I just the preparation of some
1: of the side effects. I would tell them. Yeah. I I always tell them if they. Feel like they have some body aches or anything like that. They right. take some um, over the counter analgesics such as um, ibuprofen or Tylenol, like something that can help them. And, and uh, I, I also tell them that sometimes it's just the coincidence when they can actually get um, a different um, mm. upper respiratory virus at the same time, and it's not really associated with the flu vaccine itself.
0: So then let's talk about that. So people that may or may have not not gotten the flu vaccine, they're home and there are signs and symptoms that they're thinking about, you know, they're like, Oh my gosh, is this the flu? First of all, if they've had the flu vaccine, they can't get the flu. Is that correct? They can still get the flu. They can still get it. See, yes. I told Dr. Sims, I my mother last year had the flu vaccine and she still got the flu. So because it could be a different flu, right? Yes, it could be a different virus. Yes, it could be a different virus. So if they're home and they're on the fence about coming in or not to see you what what are the triggers they should look for early on because we can help them early on
1: yes so uh what the patient should know is that uh the sooner they will report the symptoms that the faster they can get their um the medication that's going to help with uh with some of this um with the flu um signs and symptoms so for example um the, the the patient has to know that the, the flu onset, uh, the symptom onset is usually abrupt.
0: Yeah, it's fast. So it would not be mm. it
1: would not be gradual. They would not just feel a sore throat or or aches or something uh, for like several days. It would usually be like quick.
0: Really yes so in quick meaning like what what would they feel right away like they would probably go to bed feeling
1: totally fine mm. and they can wake up in the morning feeling like somebody hit them
0: right like somebody hit them with a truck right somebody i think dr sims had said that to me too like you just you can't even move yes you can't even move the body it's it's beyond the body aches beyond the sore scratchy throat yes and uh, actually patients who
1: Ever had the flu in the past and know how severe the symptoms are <sighs> are getting vaccine because they know they don't want to go through this again right they I don't want to yes. go
0: through it right yes so what what would you recommend? How soon should they come in if they're feeling that ill and do they usually present with a fever
1: they they yes the the flu will present with the fever for about three to four days.
0: How high does it usually get
1: um, It depends really. Right. So it could be patient. it could
0: be 102, 103. Yes. Yep. It and depends on what age the, the population would be. So when the patient when the patient comes into you what can you do for them? First of all, we test them for the flu. How do we do that?
1: In the office itself, we would not test them for the flu. Um, They would have to be probably directed to the emergency room to get the flu flu swab. But in the office, as the providers uh, limited, uh, we can actually base the the diagnosis on the symptoms.
0: Right. So you can, and do you usually um, prescribe the Tamiflu right away for them?
1: Yes. Um, so the the of flu I would prescribe for the patients um, if they present with the symptoms uh, that last no longer than forty eight hours. Okay. And Un- unless they're um, they're immunocompromised, they're um, uh, they're um, like over the age of sixty five, right? Yeah, like, uh, pregnant women or children. Like those are this is the population which is really the most vulnerable to a complication associated with the flu.
0: Right, and. If it's gone too long, so if the patient stayed on the fence too long and, you know, it's beyond the point in time where they can get the Tamiflu, how long can they expect for the flu virus to to work its way out through their system? How long does it usually last? It's usually
1: like f- a few days to like uh, less than two weeks, I would say.
0: Right. And, the, and pretty much it's all those things that you do for the worst cold you've ever had, right? Yes. So it's bed rest, all that. Is that what you usually tell them? Bed rest, fluids? Fluids, yes. One of the biggest things I've heard about the flu is the inability to really eat. So those patients tend to get dehydrated, right? They do, yes. So what do they look for? What do you worry about in dehydration? So what do you usually tell them to do? What can they do if they can't eat or they can't hold anything down?
1: Um, So I would probably consider some the anti-nausea medication for them right and such as Zofran, for example right and i would just um let them know that if they're gonna feel like if they're get, like to the, the, the patient their families like if they notice that they're gonna be very weak or like all um confused right. or experience any other symptoms such as dizziness uh, to seek the, the medical attention right away
0: so for those patients that come in that are still on the fence and they come in and it's not the flu and you can tell it's not the flu, but they're presenting with, you know, um, general colds and, and feeling lousy, the scratchy throats. I know we do, a, you guys do a lot of testing for strep throat. How many, how, how often is it that a patient usually has strep? It's the funniest thing because I got strep throat last year, and I haven't had it since I was a kid. I remember you told me that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I haven't had it, had it since days. I was a kid. I haven't had an antibiotic since I was a kid, so it was the weirdest thing. Dr. Testa yelled at me. But so, you know, are we seeing that more? Are we seeing strep throat? Like, and, you know, what what do you see in the offices? So um, I've been here for a, a little over five months right now.
1: So I think um, the strep throat, I Maybe four times, but it's still and, there. No, it's still there, um, and only one of the rapid strap was positive on one on uh, one of the patients. The other patients presented with uh, with uh, the um, the purulent exudates on on the tonsils and right. um, a painful uh, lymphadenopathy. So I oh, that's
0: to, terrible. Your yeah, neck is receivers. yeah, your neck is swollen. It's awful. Yes. it feels like you have the mumps. That's, yeah, that's what I have I've never had a strep in the past, oh. so it's, it's hard for me to say. like so yeah. I can only
1: imagine. It must be very uncomfortable.
0: It's really uncomfortable, and you know we're seeing it in a population of people that, like myself, older. And I don't know if it's because we're compromised, because we're working hard, or what it is. But you know, I, I, I but yesterday I know I was in your office, and I was at a couple offices, and there, it seems to be the rule of thumb that you guys are swabbing everybody, checking everybody for strep throat just to be sure. But if it's yeah. not strep. And a patient presents with, you know, common cold like symptoms, just feeling lousy. They still want to walk out the door with an antibiotic, right? So what do you guys do about that?
1: So they have to be reassured and re-educated that the antibiotics can actually hurt them more than help them at this right. point because we are treating a virus and not bacterial infection. So the uh, antibiotics will, antibiotic will not help with the symptoms that the patient is
0: presenting with.
1: So it is a struggle with some of the patients because they, they feel like
0: antibiotic is a nice and quick fix. Right, right. And it's funny, you know. I think that puts you guys on the fence too, right? It how does. do I treat it? What? I, how am I going to have a conversation with this patient? And you know, I'll be honest with you: people don't realize, but something like that—that that, if it's not strep and it is viral—virals can last a while, right? Yes. Oh, yes, up to two weeks for sure. And, and like we're impatient. More. Yes. We are impatient. You want to feel better right away, but nobody wants to, you know, take the vitamins and do all those things. They just want to take an antibiotic and get better quick, right? Yes. It's unreal. And you're, you're right. I mean, I know when I took the antibiotic for myself, I was like, oh, I even hated just taking it. But I knew I had to do it because it was strep. But when it's not strep and it is just viral, it's patience is a virtue because you're saving yourself. Yes. Yeah. In the long run, do you um, you do you what do you do for those patients and if they can't do the antibiotic? what do you recommend that patients do during cold and flu season and and it's not the flu and it is just a cold or a virus that's really bad? what are some of the things you you have them do to reassure I, them not to take the antibiotics? So
1: I would tell them I would um, uh, i would tell them uh, to take some like sepulchral lozenges if they have, mm. for example a sore throat, some decongestant if they have or if they have a cough some mucinex, and I would tell them just try this for now, and if you continue with the symptoms beyond like two weeks, or is it, if the symptoms worsen, then we'll be worried about the bacterial, but I would tell them to take some um, Tylenol, ibuprofen for any, any pain as right, well. Right, pain, and that does Plan work. Plenty
0: fluids, rest. Yeah. yeah. We don't know how to rest though. We don't know how to rest. (laughs) No. Speaking of rest, we are going to actually take a two minute break. We have a commercial, and if you stay on the line, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about on the fence and blood pressure. We'll be right back. back everyone Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital Trinity Health of New England thank you for joining me on this Friday morning TGIF thank goodness it's Friday I know it's gonna rain tonight I know but hopefully the weekend will clear and we can enjoy a little bit more of the fall weekend before the winter jumps in on us. And we are talking today with um, an APRN, who's part of our Trinity Health of New England Medical Group out in our Wilkett office, Jalanta Resmian. Hi, Jalanta. Hello. Thank you for hanging out. You see how quick the show goes? We only have like 12 minutes left. Oh, we don't? That's it. I promise you. Okay, I promise you, you that's all we have. <laughs> that's all we have. So, you know, to recap a little bit, you know, we we're talking about on the fence, talking about when do I go see my health care provider? When is it important? And, you know, we just thought it was really important to talk about cold, cold versus flu. Do I have it? Don't I have it? You know, what should I be doing? And of course, as you said, we've got to get our flu shots. Right. And it's not too late. Right. It's not too late. You can get it up to January,
1: but I would recommend getting it at the end of October and like November. Right now, it's really the best
0: time. Well, we, you okay. know, it's funny because my grandsons just got it and um, they both had colds. So my daughter waited. I said, got to get it done a couple weeks before Thanksgiving, because by then they're going to be immune and they'll be around so many people for the holidays. So it's definitely the best time to get it. Yes. Yeah. And we were talking about what people look for when they do come in to see you. So, you know, what again, you said, you know, just to recap, that if they're feeling, they felt fine when they went to bed, but they wake up and they pretty much feel like they got hit by a truck, that's definitely not a cold. That's no. probably the flu. Yes. Yeah. With temperature and everything that goes along with it, it's not like general scratchy throat feeling yucky. Yes. Yeah. All right. Want to make sure. Want to make sure we get that information out to everybody. So the next piece I I wanted to focus on on the fence is blood pressure, if that's okay with you. Um, You know, blood pressure is one of those things. I mean, as a nurse out in the community, I see so many health fairs and at every health fair, there's either cholesterol testing. Glucose testing and blood pressures, and blood pressure is one of those erratic things that goes up and down. Can be so many different numbers at any given time during the day. I know yes. mine fluctuates like crazy. And first of all, what is a normal blood pressure? Like, when as a healthcare professional, what do you what do you like? Where do you like to see it? Uh, less than one twenty over eighty. So it's still 120 over 80. It's like right there in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. When do you start getting worried as a healthcare professional?
1: So um, when I see the readings in like uh, greater than 130 over 80.
0: When I right see now, and that's re-
1: actually the new guidelines. Uh, just
0: oh, I know, and they're last,
1: tight. Yes, they are. So there's the prehypertension guide, um Eliminated, And right now we have the elevated blood pressure, which would be in the 120 to 129 uh, and less than 80 for the diastolic. And the stage one hypertension would be from 130 to 139 or the diastolic of 80 to 89.
0: So, you know, when you go to these health fears and say you somebody took your blood pressure, right? Mm-hmm. And they're taking your blood pressure and it's 138 over 88, 90. Mm-hmm. What do you do?
1: Well, the one uh, elevated reading of the blood pressure would not really tell you that you have hypertension, right? Because there's multiple factors that will go into it. You would have to make sure that the blood pressure cuff is the right size. Mm. You would have to make sure that you've been sitting in one place with your feet down for these five minutes, which is um, then have your arm elevated and settled on a surface, and uh, making sure that didn't, you didn't just exercise, you didn't just have a coffee or like smoking, or didn't went through something very stressful a um, couple minutes before so coffee
0: so, yes <laughs> as I'm sitting here drinking a huge coffee me too <laughs> you too so coffee so coffee elevates your pressure yes caffeine caffeine elevates it that's right caffeine elevates it and then you said something interesting too that your feet flat on the floor why is that
1: um, because that's uh you have to. Um, it's like with the. I'm sorry. With the circulation is very right,
0: important. Right, right. <clears throat> so, and and your arm on a table, not hanging. No. You know when we learned in nursing school, that's right. We used to have to put the arms on the bedside tables. I'm sitting here doing it myself, right? I'm laying my arm across this counter. You had to. You had to put your arm out on the bedside table. How often do our physicians even really do that in the offices? Do you do that in the office as much as you can? Yes. uh, (laughs) Does Dr. Pooner do that? You're going to test him.
1: because, you know, that's impossible with the amount of the patients that he's seeing. I would
0: probably be able to do it (laughs) right now. Yeah, now we know. You know, it's funny because my my blood pressure is so fluctuate. It does. It fluctuates. It goes up and down and up and down. And so you say pre-hypertension. So... What what diagnoses us with pre-hypertension? Like the elevated blood pressure, I mean? Yeah, um, so like early, early, you know, like you're just starting to go to the so higher how, side. So
1: I would approach the patient first. So I would, um, is that what you're asking? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, but like, for example, if, the, if I have the patient who comes in and I'll see that there's, there's the elevated blood pressure, I prob- I, I'm probably going to have him come back yeah. uh, to me. But in the meantime, I would tell him... Uh, to start working on a diet and exercise. Mm. And the diet, uh, I would make sure that the patient is aware that the sodium can actually um, cause the, the hypertension, like uh, uh, um, as a diet high in sodium. Right. can increase your uh, blood pressure, because many patients don't know it. Right. Because um, And they exercise at least like 90 to 150 minutes of aer- aer- aerobic exercise, like a week- weekly, which is a lot for for, for the patients, because unfortunately everybody is so busy. So if I have the patient back in the office and the the reading is still elevated, um, then like right now, uh, then I would start looking into um, into probably treatment.
0: More treatment. And do you do you automatically go to blood pressure medication, or do you do like a cardiac workup? Did, you know, oh yeah, what, absolutely what, what, The blood
1: work is uh, necessary You have to like make sure Your um, kidneys are
0: uh,
1: fine And your cholesterol is good That you're not diabetic
0: Like yes so, Right, so, okay. so you're looking at A lot of different factors Just to be sure Before they actually start your Medication Because it's You know, it's really scary You know, it's funny I was actually A couple of months back I was in a car accident And you know The ambulances came And then they took Our blood pressure my blood pressure is I'm like, well I just rammed into a car Yes. And you know what? That's uh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> but you had, but uh,
1: what's important is like many patients would have the white coat hypertension. Right. So they would see the elevated. So maybe that's what you had. I mean, you just went through the accident. But, yeah. um, so what's the best time of
0: day? So yeah, what is it? So Johnny's asking me here, our, our little producer, my my buddy. Yeah. He's asking me, what's the best time of day to take your blood pressure? Is there a better time of day? So I would tell my patients
1: like, uh, okay, so just let me explain. The white coat, uh, code hypertension would be when your blood pressure is elevated when you see uh, a medical provider for right. example and then mm-hmm. when you go home your, your uh, readings would be normal so um, hmm. if I have the patient with the elevated blood pressure I would actually encourage them to buy the blood pressure cuff which is, um, it's not very expensive you can buy it at any of the, the CVS Walgreens anywhere and it's probably like $30 uh, the most and I would uh, encourage them to check their blood pressure like in the morning and at night.
0: In the morning when they get up mm-hmm. so like, so when they get up in the morning how should they how long should they wait should they do it right away should they do it
1: they should probably like sit at the edge of the bed for about five minutes okay okay (laughs) and then they can they can check it i mean it would be good if they can empty their bladder as well like making sure that you know they're and then like sit and for like at least five minutes
0: and And don't drink their uh, coffee
1: don't drink their (laughs) coffee too (laughs) for the optimal result
0: (laughs) and then at night time what's the best time like around evening time like yeah clock eight so. o'clock and emptying the bladder that's interesting too making sure the bladder's empty yes because that can elevate your pressure yeah and so then you're looking at consistency between those numbers so do you have them keep like a log for a bit yeah and what are you looking for in that and I would probably be looking at the average right right and
1: then um Sometimes I'll have them bring the, their blood pressure uh, cuff in the office and would compare the readings. Because ah. in the office, what we do, we would we would use the stethoscope and the, uh, we don't we usually. I don't think we have the automatic. I only see the the, the manual blood right. pressure cuff over here, and that could be different depending on who's taking it. Right. It's true. Well. It's true.
0: Yeah. It's true, and you know we—oh my gosh! i am sure you remember from nursing school, but I think we had more l- clinical labs on doing blood pressure. And I, I think I'm really good at it because of the detail that was given to us, and and how many times we actually—and we knew what we had here for. It
1: was the stressful lab. <laughs> it was very stressful. It made my pressure
0: go up. Yes. It was horrible. very stressful. So, so to recap with blood pressure, believe it or not, we only have a couple of minutes left. Mm-hmm. If when when someone's on the fence regarding their blood pressure, your if if they're how would they be feeling physically, which would cause them to come in and see you? See,
1: unfortunately, elevated blood pressure doesn't really have mm-hmm. symptoms. Like right. some people will get lucky, maybe they'll have a headache, right? But not too many people yes. So that's why they. They have to
0: be educated, right? They have they to be educated. Yes, but they should check their blood pressure routinely. We should all know our number.
1: Yes, and you know, there's the risk factors for the some people for the hypertension. For example, the advancing age, or obesity, or family
0: history, mm-hmm. or
1: race, um, high sodium diet, or alcohol consumption, or like physical inactivity. Those are the risk factors, and those those are the patients that probably should be checking their blood pressure. Yes.
0: So know your risk factors. Yes. Even if you go and have it screened, do it a few times and get to know your, your numbers and talk about it with your provider. Yes. Right? So, Jalanta, believe it or not, we're done. We're, we're done? at the end. Oh. <laughs> you did it. Oh, my God. <laughs> you did it. You are the best. So, this is Jalanta and She is an APRN with us in our Wilkett office and 503 Wilkett Road. Um, what's the phone number there? The phone number over here is 203 879 7980. And you are accepting new patients. And I'm accepting new patients. <laughs> yes! And we're building your panel up quickly. I know I took you to the Business Women's Forum and, and I have a lot of people asking about you. Okay. Oh, so thank you for joining us. I will probably pop out to walk it later on today to see you. It was a pleasure and we hope to have you again soon. Have a great thank day. Thank you so much. Same here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And to everybody out there, um, thank you so much for joining us today for On the Fence. We will be joining you later on this month again with a couple of programs with regarding on the fence and with some more healthcare providers. Have a great weekend. This is Robin Sills, St. Mary's Hospital. Have a great day.